Save a little more this month. Chime checking accounts have features like fee-free overdrafts up to $200 with SpotMe and no monthly fees. Open your account in minutes at chime.com slash goals24. Banking services and debit card provided by the Bancorp Bank N.A. or Stride Bank N.A. members FDIC. SpotMe eligibility requirements and overdraft limits apply. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Get access to actionable news and market research with all the information you need to invest smarter and profit faster. Start your free trial today at pro.benzinga.com. Hello, Zinger Nation. Happy Wednesday. Welcome to Moon or Bust, your home for all things altcoins and decentralized finance. My name is Logan Ross, uh, and I'm joined today by my two wonderful co-hosts. We have the React and DeFi developer, Brian Moore. How are you doing today, Brian? Doing all right. Besides my dogs eating my AirPods, I've been uh, been doing okay. Working through it. Get it? Can we get an F in the chat for Brian's left AirPod? Uh, that is a sad thing. Terrible, terrible news. Uh, and we also have real-life Layer 2 enthusiast, Ryan Bedhead McNamara. How you doing today, Ryan? Where is Ryan? Right there here. Is. Has anyone seen Ryan? <laughs> I'm doing good, Logan. Thanks for asking. <clears throat> Yo, that's a dope shirt. Where did you get that? It's from the Mooner Bus website on Benzinga. It's freaking dope. Wait, we have merch now? That's crazy. So, yeah. so can you can you show it off? What does it say? Layer two enthusiasts gets okay, all so the ladies going at the club uh, every time. All and, of them. Wait, there's more. There's more. Burr, 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 burr. Lunar bust, Benzinga crypto on the back, so everybody knows. That's sick. If you want to get some Lunar Bus merch so all the ladies at the club know you are a Layer 2 enthusiast, <laughs> you are rich as frick off of Ethereum, uh, then you can go to the link in the description below, uh, swag.benzinga.com slash Bus, something like that. It's in the description. You can go find it down there. Uh, and, and while you're down there, uh, check out the, the Benzinga Crypto YouTube channel. Uh, this is a new channel that we just created. Um, and it has all the stuff that you will need. So all the all the clips from Benzinga's crypto content will be posted up here. Uh, this is your one-stop shop uh, for everything you need. And why, why just click that red button right there. Boom, got another subscriber. You're welcome, guys. Okay, uh, so let me take that off the screen. Let's, let's see, what else is in the description below? Um, the Telegram, we have a Telegram now, so join that. If you want a 25% off the merch, uh, we will toss you a discount code. If you join the Telegram, um yeah but that covers that as always make sure to follow us on twitter um and yeah let's get into the show we have a crazy one planned for you today a special two hour episode uh, a little bit shorter than that now since power uh, hour went late uh, but we'll be going over all the news i'll be entering a, an lp position on uniswap uh live on air we'll be debating bitcoin versus ethereum with john g uh, and then we're interviewing gmoney.eth on blockchain and NFTs. This is a jam-packed Moonerbust episode. You do not want to miss it. Uh, so stick around the whole time. We promise we will get you everything you need to know. If you're excited for the show, let us know by smashing the like button. My goal, Smash one like. It. 
one i would like one like today please uh yes that's the that's the current goal i will update you if it changes in the future um but first first up big news the ufc has signed the biggest partnership contract of all time in ufc history uh with crypto.com so this is supposedly reportedly a 10-year 175 million dollar contract uh it is the first ever global kit partner uh, crypto.com is becoming the first ever global kit partner which means that every fighter who enters the octagon will be repping crypto.com on their gear um so yeah this is this is huge we've seen ftx going big on sports with the mlb uh, and, and the NBA stadiums. Uh, but now we're seeing crypto.com trying to catch up. There's some good competition here. Uh, and it's cool to see that these these big crypto companies going mainstream, getting some more mainstream <coughs> partnerships. Uh, it'll be good for, for crypto in general, I think. Uh, another thing, a blockchain game. Axie Infinity is like the Pokemon, uh, Pokemon times CryptoKitties, put it on the blockchain. Ryan, what's the story on Axie? So Axie Infinity has been taking off lately. Their tokens getting more and more expensive almost every day, even through this bear market that we're seeing. Um, and they actually have a few different types of tokens on their site. So they have the Axie Infinity token, which is used for governance. Um, I think that's around $10, $11 right now. Um, but you can also get NFTs. So all the creatures in game are NFTs, which you can buy and sell on the marketplace. You can get attributes by playing the game to make your creatures rare with different attributes, which is pretty cool. And then you can go ahead and sell them on the marketplace whenever you want, since it's an NFT. You don't even have to keep it on the platform since it's on Ethereum's blockchain. You know, you could go to OpenSea or a different marketplace and sell your axes there. Um, and this is actually really taking off in the Philippines right now um, and some other third world countries because people are going to these play to earn games to actually earn money and get a second stream of income just wow. by playing these games. And in some cases they're making more money than their actual job. So. It's definitely really interesting to see where this is going. They're supposed to be coming to the iOS and Android app stores around the end of the year, or early 2022. So that could really take make the game take off even further. Um, and they're supposed to be releasing a game with Axie Infinity where you can play without actually owning the NFTs. So you can go on and it's free to play. I'd assume you wouldn't be earning any money if you're playing the game without the NFTs. But, I mean, that gives access to so many more people, gets them interested, and then eventually down the line, you know, they might end up buying some of these NFTs to actually play the real game. Uh, so that's pretty cool. Uh, and I need a sidechain necklace. Well, show me where there's a sidechain necklace to buy. Maybe I'll get it. Only if it's VVS diamonds. I, I don't go for anything under VVS. So. <laughs> Big balling out here as layer two enthusiasts. Uh, and yeah, so Moon or Bust, if you guys didn't pick up on it, it's M-O-B. So I think that we should officially, uh, on today's episode, name the Moon or Bust audience the, the Moon or Bust mob. Uh, it's only fitting. It makes sense. And it's on the back of the merch. Uh, we have a HODL mob shirt, uh, and a bunch of the other ones have mob on them. Uh, let me see. I think I have... Did I not pull up the merch site? Okay, I'll do that next time. Um, but back to Axie. Um, so, so people are making money by playing this. They're they're turning it into a source of income. Uh, so, are players like breeding them and selling them? Is that how you make money on this? Or winning battles? Like, what's the deal here? Yeah. So, there's actually a ton of different ways you can make money. They have plots of land now, so you can invest in land, kind of like Decentraland. That's one way to make money. You can buy your axes and as basically just a speculative investment and hope to sell them later for more money. That's another way. And then, Logan, like you mentioned, you can breed your axes. So if you have several axes, you need three to play the game anyway, but you can breed them, get more axes and sell those on the marketplace, which you can actually make a good amount of money doing considering the cheapest axes right now around $150 to $200 each. 
Um, and not only that, but the actual company, Axie Infinity, is generating a ton of revenue off of all their different fees that they have. Um, so interesting fact here is they've generated more money than MakerDAO, PancakeSwap, and several other DeFi platforms combined, which is wow. kind of insane. Right? This is in the I mean, past week, and just in the past, <laughs> past week, right? yes, in the past week, not over the that's, entire life. Okay, that's right. that's very impressive. That's crazy. Yeah, they're doing mm -hmm. huge volume. I didn't know that. That's nuts. Yeah, and then also when you're playing the game, you get these things called special, no, small love potions, SLP, and that's a ERC twenty token you can trade on Uniswap. So it has in-game functions, of course. Like you use it to to breed your axes as well as a couple other things in game. But you can also just save them up. They're worth like twenty cents each, and you get them for completing levels. And then once you have your SLP, you can go on to Uniswap and just sell them for profit just by playing the game. It's pretty cool. Catch. Very very cool. Um, okay, so let me pull it back up now that I have the swag store up. Here we have the layer two enthusiast shirt. We have the decentralized everything shirt. We got the huddle mob, and then we have these awesome dad hats for ETH, Doge, and Bitcoin. And they they are they're very nicely embroidered, and they have the logo, the Moon or Bus logo embroidered on the side as well. It's pretty sick. And a polo for twenty one bucks. That's a steal. Um, yeah. So go check this out if you haven't already, and join the Telegram for a twenty five percent off discount code um okay so uh we were talking about crypto.com a little bit earlier and i want to loop back to that uh brian has just let me know that he has a crypto.com card um brian which one do you have how'd you make your decision uh and when do you use it compared to your other credit cards so i just have the the starter one uh, the blue one i guess i don't know what the actual one, name is blue yeah yeah the, okay. the the first one i i was gonna bump up but then i Whenever I did it, I didn't want to hold that much CRO. I it, uh -huh. you have to hold. It's all about how much you hold, and that's the level you get. Um, yeah, so CRO is their native yeah. token, right? Their native yeah. coin. Uh -huh. Okay. <clears throat> and they've launched their own mainnet too, so it's utilized there. And I'm pretty sure they've already burned and uh, burned all the ERC twenty CRO. And now, besides what's left on exchanges and stuff, and now it's all onto their mainnet. Um, Pretty cool. But I, I mean, I use it every now and again. I use it a lot for um, if I have if I have something I want to buy and I don't want to mm -hmm. take it into my bank or whatever, I, I'll just put it into my um, crypto.com card and then use it that way just because it's easy and it's kind of like a cash app, if you will. Like That's how I think about it. So are you I spending can, like, crypto or USD? So you can top up with crypto. You can take mm -hmm. like um, XLM or Bitcoin or Ethereum or a, a wide range of them, or you can uh, in top up and it'll transfer it into fiat, or you can use CRO and it'll do that automatically too. It, it all, what's on the card is fiat, but you can mm -hmm. you can just um, send whatever um, crypto you want over to it and it'll automatically transfer it. Very cool. Uh, okay, so if you are interested in checking out and learning more information about the Crypto.com products, uh, they're actually a partner of ours, and you can get a sign-up bonus, a, an exclusive Benzinga bonus, if you use the link that's in the description below. Um, so yeah, quick little plug on that. We have the Bitcoin versus Ethereum debate coming up in a second. We got John G live backstage, uh, but we have two, one or two more quick uh, pieces of news to cover. Brian, hit us with a tendermint at uh, 10x speed, please. They are just, uh, they're creating an, uh, a decentralized app store, kind of like the Apple app store where you can go and everything's built inside their um, ecosystem and you can, you know, 
put your app on on the store. People can download it. You can use it and it goes straight to the blockchain. And, it, it's and where's cool. Tenderman again? That has something to do with Cosmos Chain, right? Yeah, it's their um, it, it, it's their software platform type thing. It, it, it's it's kind of it's a lot more than that. And we will actually um, yeah, we'll to have to loop back to this in, in, yeah. in another episode because we're running out of time today. Um, but yeah, we'll come back to that for sure in another episode. The last thing that I wanted to point out. Uh, is that there's a leaked Goldman Sachs document that says uh, it currently looks like the cryptocurrency with the highest real use potential uh, is Ethereum, uh, the platform on which the native digital currency is Ether, uh, the most popular development platform right now for smart contract applications. Uh, so this is what we've been saying for a long time. Uh, and Goldman has, has never really been into crypto, but now that they're getting into crypto, they're figuring it out. They're figuring out that ETH has the real value. Uh, and this is our perfect transition into the Bitcoin versus Ethereum debate. Uh, so with that out of the way, I will bring on John G. How are you doing today, John? Good. How are you doing today, guys? I'm doing great. Thank you. Uh, so, so this is going to be hype. Uh, let us know what you think in the chat. Are you team Bitcoin, team Ethereum? Uh, drop your reasoning, drop what team you're on uh, and, and smash the like while you're down there uh, to let us know you like this type of content and we'll do some more in the future. Uh, we're at 18 right now. I think we can get to at least 50 uh, by the end of this debate. Let's get it going. We got 200 people live. Uh, so let, let's see it. Let's see it. Let's see what team you're on. Let's, let's figure out why. Uh, and let's smash the like. So, John, let's get started uh, with the case for Bitcoin. Um, present your side, uh, your Bitcoin side uh, is what you'll be, you know, representing. I know you're more in between realistically, but we're gonna we're gonna say you're on Team Bitcoin. Uh, we're gonna say that we're on Team Ethereum, uh, and you present your base case for Bitcoin for us. Sure. Um, so yeah, so Bitcoin, uh, it's interesting. These are the Goldman Sachs, uh, Goldman Sachs study saying has the potential. Key, keyword potential to be a store of value. I think right now uh, the, the institutions and the people that have been accumulating Bitcoin have have completely gone into the narrative of the Bitcoin is the digital store of value, uh, replacing gold as digital gold, um, and so that's the that's the big argument there. I think that uh, you know these institutions obviously have a lot of money to bring to the table and they still have a lot more money to bring. So if that narrative continues to play out with the current market cap of, of gold, I believe it's around 10 to 12 trillion. I'm not sure of the latest numbers. Um, that would be the upwards potential I would see. And I, I, I would see that uh, it would go potentially well beyond that, given it becomes uh, an easier access to access to real, the real asset versus obtaining larger amounts of gold right now. So I think that, uh, that narrative uh, has a good case for Bitcoin, uh, easily multiplying 10x from its current current valuation, um, hitting that half a million to a million, uh, potentially even bigger long term. Mm -hmm. um, let me pull up my other point here. Uh, I think so. The other thing too is like you know institutions, not only just institutions, but countries. Obviously, with El Salvador being the first country to adopt Bitcoin as legal tender, um, I don't. I, I just personally, I, I don't see case right now, given the current current situation, for uh, for Ethereum to do that for for countries. Um, I think that they see that gold is, uh, or excuse me, that Bitcoin <clears throat> is permissionless, borderless, and with its with its stable development process. I mean, it took a while for them to add Taproot, which is, should be coming, I believe, in August or November sometime. They're very methodical with how they how Bitcoin has been uh, upgrading. Um, and there's a very known supply. We know the current. We know the supply. What the supply will be in in 120 years from now. We know what it'll be five years from now. We know what it'll be 20 years from now. 
uh, down to basically uh, attend you know an hour time frame of what it will be so we are very definitive in terms of, of the amount of uh, assets that will be in available in the market at any given time and I think that's that it kind of is the transition to if you want to bring up the case for ethereum I think that's uh, it's one of the biggest differences between the two that I see right now is, is in, the, in that argument of a store value. <clears throat> okay, so just to summarize, uh, so your first argument is gold has a market cap of 10 trillion, Bitcoins is around uh, like 600 billion right now. Uh, it was around 1 trillion, but if Bitcoin is equally as good of a store of value as gold, uh, then it should theoretically 10x long term to match the market cap of gold. Um, but if Bitcoin's a better store of value than gold, which I mean, I mean, I personally think it is, uh, then it could go even further. Uh, that is is definitely one of the strongest arguments uh, I've heard for Bitcoin. Uh, also, there's stability in the future supply. Uh, did you, sorry, did you want to say something else there? Yeah, I was going to add one other, one other point that I was going to bring up. Um, the also the I think the, the interesting thing between what Ethereum and this is to me is the, the big unknown mm -hmm. is where where these institutions will adopt. There, there's a hundred, I think it's like 120, I'm gonna have a number of periods, $120 trillion worth of assets in bonds. And so those investors, where they move is, I think what's gonna really dictate where wow. the value of these things go. So mm -hmm. if Ray Dahlia, who recently indicated he'd rather buy Bitcoin than a bond, I mean, that's, and he uh, runs one of the largest hedge funds out there. It's not the largest hedge fund out there. I think that kind of, sets the precedent of like you know who's going to adopt these things like goldman sachs can say is potential i think ethereum definitely has potential that's why i have a large portion of my allocations in ethereum as well as bitcoin but i think that's what it's going to come down to so that would be that's the rest of my my initial statement on the case for bitcoin very cool and so uh also you said it's sound money we know uh what the inflation policy looks like we know what the inflation schedule looks like so it's very predictable uh, <clears throat> unlike the us dollar jpow go burr um uh okay so ryan or brian do you want to uh present the base case for ethereum ryan can hit it yeah ryan let's hear it sure so i'll john i'll touch on the point of bitcoin being sound money and of course as an eth maxi i'm going to say ethereum is ultra sound money um you obviously have a very good point that we do know the supply of bitcoin going out like 100 years and and of course that'll make investors feel safe with bitcoin but it'll be very interesting to see where EIP-1559 takes us. I mean, that's coming out now August 4th. There's a set release date for it, which is actually before ETH2. And then once ETH2 comes out, hopefully network adoption will, will create even larger burning fees. Um, mm -hmm. And if we see ETH become a deflationary token, I could see the value going up much faster than Bitcoin. Mm -hmm. I think that institutional investors could be driven to ETH once it's deflationary. I think a problem with ETH being a store of value right now is that it's inflationary, right? Every so often uh, there's block rewards and there's more ETH in circulation. So it's not as great of a store of value right now as Bitcoin is. But if we see the, the supply become deflationary, then I could see ETH becoming the, the better store of value in the near future. Okay, so we have the 1559 ultrasound money argument uh, from Ryan. Brian, do you want to add anything to that uh, or I can add something? <clears throat> Um, not, not necessarily on any of the points we, uh, we've covered. I have some other points, um, that I think we're going to get to in a bit, mm -hmm. not yet. 
Okay, so uh, I would like to bring out uh, the the big differentiating factor between Bitcoin and Ethereum, in my opinion, uh, besides the supply, is smart contracts. Uh, so as we all know, Ethereum is a, a virtual machine. It's a fully functioning Turing-complete computer, uh, which means you can run smart contracts of any uh, base difficulty on the Ethereum network. Uh, and this has been used widely already. It's called decentralized finance, and we're rebuilding the finance industry peer-to-peer on the Ethereum blockchain, uh, and there's not much the banks can do about it. There's also not much Bitcoin can do about it. So Bitcoin is doing the Taproot upgrade, uh, which will add some functionality to their smart contract capabilities, uh, but I'm not sure uh, how helpful that's going to be uh, and if it's too late. We have some comments uh, bringing up ADA, bringing up Cardano blockchain, which is a proof-of-stake competitor, a smart contract blockchain, a competitor to Ethereum, uh, and I guess also a competitor to Bitcoin. Um, uh, and, and like I'm, I, I hold some Cardano as well. I hold some Bitcoin, but I still think uh, long term Ethereum will be the dominant smart contract blockchain, uh, and that is my my bull case for Ethereum versus Bitcoin. Um, so yeah, John, do you have anything you want to add to that? Yeah. So a couple notes, and again, like I'm I'm I've made a, a, quite a good return off of Ethereum, and I'm, I'll continue to hold the position uh, that I have. Um, which is actually not that far behind my Bitcoin position, but I will note that there's a number of things. To me, to me, there's a, still a lot of uncertainty that is around Ethereum. Um, so you know, we're obviously they're making that that we're making the transition to E2.0. You guys mentioned the burning. Um, I don't think. I mean, you, there's this concept of ultrasound money is going to be deflationary. I think that completely depends on uh, how how this actually how this network upgrade actually rolls out because they there's it's still in in. Uh, excuse me, staking rewards that will increase the supply of Ethereum when we make that transition. So I'm not sure of all, there's a lot of uncertainty to me in all this. So I don't really know exactly exactly how all those uh, economics work out for the number of Ethereum tokens. There's another big point that I would like to make that has has a lot of uncertainty to me because I know originally the plan for E2.0 was to roll out sharding to have a number mm-hmm. of different, uh, you know, blockchains that are, are a number of different, you know, uh, consensus Parallel groups. Trends, yeah. Yeah, parallel chains to keep Ethereum scaling, but there's been, uh, you know, recently they decided to to backtrack on that, and just because of the level of adoption with chains like Polygon um, and all these other different <clears throat> chains that are coming out, they just haven't seen the need for that. So that's a big thing. Another thing uh, that I think has the potential to prevent Ethereum from really seeing the gains is is the fact that a lot of this value could be captured by layer two networks when various exchanges directly integrate into layer two solutions to be able to take advantage of those various mechanisms, as well as just the number of tokens out there. Like JP Morgan apparently does one over $1 billion a day in transaction on, a, on an EVM compatible chain that's their own private chain. So I'm not sure exactly how this is gonna play out in the traditional banking system versus uh you know other other groups of people creating their own own value and in, in capturing the value that would be going that would typically be going into ethereum if it, if it if it was with the original ethereum 2.0 rollout plans for sharding would be using the the incentive mechanism based around the ethereum token itself so those are kind of some of my uncertainties but um i mean I, i'm still i could easily see all this still having really really good returns regardless so i'm not sure you know, those are just my my counterpoints to to the to the to what has brought been brought so far. One mm-hmm. thing I'll say is, um, so uh, Roll Black 
made a good point about stacks and they actually used to be called block stacks or block stack and um before they changed their name to stacks and they are a a uh, a project on the lightning network that utilizes smart contracts on the lightning network through bitcoin um <clears throat> or through what the bitcoin is what's on the lightning network and uh that was a very interesting project they're one of the more old school um projects to do this before ethereum got really widely used and uh does it better than how you could on the lightning network but stacks is kind of reinventing themselves and um making it even faster and smoother to build dApps on the lightning network it's not nearly as uh stable is not the word i'm looking for but not nearly as a smooth ui it's not it's kind of limited in what you can do you can't really do the whole DeFi thing but you can use web3 and interject you know you can interact with the lightning network through um their dApps and their platform which is pretty cool and that kind of brings up the whole aspect of well now bitcoin kind of does have smart contracts but they're not nearly as scalable and usable as what are on ethereum but if you know, if they can somehow figure out how to um, upgrade this and make it easy, more easier to use, like how they do on layer two solutions and stuff like that through Ethereum, um, it could be a game changer for Bitcoin. Bitcoin is just so much slower, takes so much more time, more power, more energy, all that other stuff. But there's a lot of use case and there's pretty bullish outlook to see where it can go because look at the stuff we've done with Ethereum. I'm way more bullish on Ethereum than I am Bitcoin, but I'm like you, I'm in the middle of the road. I lean more towards Ethereum, but I really, really like Bitcoin and it's going to kind of pave the way for everything that we um, will see in the future. So it's hard for me to argue one side or the other. Of course, I like Ethereum more, but that was a really good point to bring up that um, Stacks does have smart contracts on the Lightning Network. So -hmm. there is kind of that whole aspect you got to think about as well. Yeah, but my my viewpoint on the Lightning <laughs> Network honestly is that it's pretty trash. I mean, I've been well, I've been yeah. around on Twitter um, since basically the Lightning Network was was out and they were testing it. And it it's not a new technology. It's been around about the same time as Ethereum smart contracts have been around. So they both had about the same same time in the market. Yet Ethereum's smart contracts have done so much better. The the Lightning Network is just a needle in the haystack compared to DeFi on Ethereum. There's I'm not oh, yeah. exactly sure how much money is locked in the Lightning Network, but I know it's less than 5% of the money locked in DeFi on Ethereum. It's pretty much just block or stacks that does it. There's not a whole lot of other competition in that area, and there's not a whole lot of other resources to use. So you're very, very right. Um, Ethereum yeah. does it much better, and it's there's a much larger ecosystem. But you just have to give the point that there are there is a possibility to put smart contracts on the lightning network but you're right it's much slower it's not nearly as scalable there's a lot of cons to it but it it's possible and so that means there is a way to make it better yeah it's definitely possible but the question more is if they can compete or not and oh they won't be able to personally I, I don't think they will be able to especially with all the developers on ethereum compared to bitcoin you know you, you see people who own bitcoin and usually just say <laughs> hey, like i own bitcoin i like bitcoin 
and it's a great store of value and, and it's going to be great in the future. But then you go over to Ethereum and there's thousands of developers working on the network, doing new cool things every day, finding ways to decentralize insurance, decentralize exchanges, decentralized lending, basically everything, you know, decentralize everything. As, yeah. they, <laughs> as the shirt says, right? Indeed. Yeah, I think, I think, I mean, these are all really good points brought up. I think the interesting thing though, is like where, where a lot of the existing value goes. And, and I mean, to your point, I think the reason why, the, from my understanding, the reason why the Lightning Network hasn't been successful is just really because it hasn't seen the adoption. But that's just because there really is no reason to adopt it. Um, yeah. Maybe, you know, as as countries like El Salvador adopt it as legal tender and they and they provide, I believe they're giving all of their all of their citizens $30 worth of Bitcoin or something. Yeah. Uh, and if, as they get various Bitcoin investors to invest in the area, you'll have that currency being able to uh, obviously be used throughout various day-to-day -day transactions. And they're, they're, the biggest thing is banking the unbanked, right? And if 60% of uh, El Salvadorians are, are still not banked, like there could be a really, a really good story that unfolds over the next 90 days as they roll this out mm -hmm. that shows the, uh, I mean, maybe Light Network isn't adopted everywhere because you know, I have a credit card. Like I don't, I barely use cash. Like there's no reason for me to use the Lightning Network for anything. Mm -hmm. But the El, El Salvadorians who who need uh, somewhere to store their money digitally um, and have that bank account without a bank can do it through the the ways that the government is bringing it to them. So, well, I guess I mean, my only point is, and 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 as well, Brian. Like I don't know. I mean, to me, Ethereum easily could just be the experiment that brought a lot of this. Uh, technology to the forefront and you know bitcoin's just slow to adopt it and a lot of the new things are experimented on with these other chains and and bitcoin becomes the store of value where people don't even move it i saw recently the news that you know ethereum addresses active ethereum addresses outpaces bitcoin but the use case mm. of bitcoin is not even moving it so that's not even that good of a, of a beat well good for you you, you beat some people that don't move their assets like that's that's not really a good win in my in, in my book given the use case so i don't know i mean i i'm still bullish ethereum I, but at the same time like there's a lot of unknowns to me to say that i shouldn't hold bitcoin like bitcoin oh, yeah. about, about equal in my portfolio i have a little bit more bitcoin than i do ethereum i like maybe like 10 percent. so that gives you any perspective i think that to me on all of this is it's about stacking sats. So mm -hmm. Ethereum could give me gains in the next two years as, as all these speculative uh, adoption metric adoptions play out. Like, hey, if, if mm -hmm. Quicken Loans tomorrow started offering mortgages paid through Ethereum and they like thought, you know, did it all through that. But I, you know what? I could easily see them going this route of JP Morgan where they're just forking the Ethereum uh, code and having their own their own chain that they work with other mortgage providers to just do it all behind the scene and not actually use Ethereum as as a base asset. And Ethereum could easily play out as well if you if you are somebody in Argentina right now and you need to get a loan a, a loan to buy a car. I, I saw it recently. I uh, can't remember the name of the guy, but somebody was working on the MakerDAO project early on. Uh, he, you know, you, you you stake your 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 Ethereum to get die. He he went and exchanged it with a local person because they want dollars. They're very well 
uh, they, they, they want those stable coins in Argentina. So he's able to exchange DAI for, for local currency to get a car and then able and then able to pay off that that loan. And then so that's a real world use case of Ethereum right now that, you know, I usually see that playing out. But is that going to be the long term? Like, is it going to be mm -hmm. is it is is the use case of DeFi going to play out before Bitcoin adopts smart contracts that allows DeFi to exist in that ecosystem? Like, I yeah, don't so know. So I think probably, John, let me ask you a question. How much Ethereum is locked on the Bitcoin blockchain? Well, none, right? None, right? But how much Bitcoin is locked on the Ethereum blockchain? It's like 1% or so, I believe. Yeah, which is, which is billions of dollars. Um, so, so none of us are saying like that you shouldn't have Bitcoin exposure in your portfolio. I think all of us have Bitcoin exposure in our portfolio. Um, and like we said to begin with, this is just uh, uh, represent. We're actually not, uh, you know, on opposite sides here. We're on the same team, um, and we're just trying to take two sides so you can see both both parts of the argument. Um, Okie dokie. So, are there any? Uh, actually, I wanted to bring up a couple uh, questions in the chat. Uh, I see G Money has joined backstage. What's up, my guy? Uh, we are excited to talk to you uh, in five or ten minutes. Here, we're just going to wrap this up. Uh, and then we'll bring you on. Um, okay, so uh, a, a couple things, a couple questions from the chat. Um, correct me if I'm wrong, even gold, there is a new supply. Uh, so so something like asteroid mining is the biggest threat to, to gold's value in the long term because uh, they could get way more from there. Uh, another comment from SolarUp uh, says, what if there's a bug in ETH 2.0 causing a huge loss of money through a hack leading to another hard fork uh, Ethereum Classic 2.0, there's already precedent for this. Uh, and then AO Finance uh, brings up the point. You could say the same thing about Taproot on Bitcoin. Um, so yeah, obviously, uh, both of these new updates are vulnerable, but they are both also open source. Uh, so it's up to the community to make sure that they're safe uh, with all these people holding holding millions and billions of dollars uh, in these assets. They're going to want to make sure that the code is safe, uh, which is a cool cool part of open source communities and blockchain communities. Um, I had a quick thought on ETH2 there, if you could go back to the other comment. Um, but basically, it's not like they're just going to be transferring over to ETH2 like in a day, right? The, the testnet is already out. There's already like 5% of Ethereum supply on the testnet, and that's running. And that's why it's taken so long. It's been pushed back. They want to make sure it's as secure as possible. There's no holes in the code and that the testnet works as intended before they actually switch over. Um, so it's not like they're just coding this and getting it audited and then releasing it. Like they have a real test net out right now that will be out for probably over a year before they actually merge it and, and make it the main chain. Yeah, so there's lots well, of so. vetting going on. <clears throat> uh, Okie dokie. Uh, I think that's it for the great Bitcoin versus Ethereum debate. Uh, if you enjoyed it, let us know by smashing the like button. Uh, at, we have positions in both, uh, as we've said a couple of times already. So... Uh, yeah, you really can't go wrong either way. Uh, but that's that's the debate at this point. That's the current uh, views of the blockchain community. Um, but yeah, you you can't go wrong either way. Um, that's really all I have. Yeah. John, do you have any uh, any closing thoughts for us? Yeah, if you're if you're all in crypto, at least be diversified in crypto. Mm -hmm. Agreed. Agreed. That's why I have Shiba, Doge, SafeMoon, and Elongate. You know, I'm very diversified, safe investor. No risk, all reward. The more you diversify, the less risk you have, right? That's right. Something like that. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> nice, guys. 
Well, we do right, not John. condone that. Do not do that. Thanks for coming on, John. We would love to have you back again soon. Uh, maybe we'll talk about side chains or something like that. Oh, for sure. Thanks, guys. Thanks, John. Peace out. Have a good one. All righty. Uh, okay. Next up, we have the one and only G Money dot eth live on benzinga moon or bust uh hey g money how are you doing today welcome to the show we're thrilled to have you on hey guys what's going on thanks for having me <laughs> i love that uh that that augmented reality mask you got going on there that's sick um okay so for those in the audience who haven't heard of you before or don't know about you uh could you give us a little background on how you got into crypto uh, and more specifically how you got into nfts Cool. Yeah. So uh, I've been involved in crypto since 2017. Uh, I originally found out about <laughs> Bitcoin back in like 2010, but I really didn't do anything with it until 2017. Uh, and then there, you know, I found ETH. I went down the ICO rabbit hole uh, in Q1 of 2018. I was like, blockchain tech is really good, uh, but I thought it was really far away. I thought it was maybe like seven to 10 years away. So I was like, all right, I'm going to sell anything that I had liquid. I had a couple illiquid investments that I obviously held. And then in, uh, in the first half of last year, a lot of those investments were becoming unlocked. And I was like, oh man, like, you know, like, and I started looking around at like what was built in the ecosystem. And I was like, wow, like this is crazy. And I went down the rabbit hole for DeFi summer. And uh, I, at that point I had heard of NFTs a little bit. And then, uh, but I was just too busy kind of like making money in DeFi and like farming and all that cool stuff. And, uh, and then like once that died down at the, at the end of the summer, I really started delving into NFTs and I went down the NFT rabbit hole. Right. And like part of it. And I think one of the reasons why I understood it so innately so quickly was on the first day of quarantine last year, I bought a PlayStation. I hadn't played a video game in over 10 years. I start playing, I, I start playing Fortnite with my friends and their nephews. And these kids are like 10 or 11 years old. And the first thing they asked me was what skins I got. Right. And I'm like, mm -hmm. Oh, the skins don't give me any special powers. Like I'm not buying any skins. Fast forward a couple of weeks, I'm buying every skin I can get my hand on. <laughs> and I was like, wow, like, you know, there's going to be this massive super cycle here uh, because today that kid is, you know, 10 years old, doesn't have any discretionary income, but in 10 years he will. And he will be totally okay with digital ownership and non-physical mm -hmm. and non-physical goods. And so I was like, yeah, there's going to be something here. And, you know, as I, I have a background in traditional finance, I've, I've been trading equities for almost 20 years at this point. And like, I was like, there's going to be a super cycle here and I want to figure out how to take advantage of it at some point. And when I found NFTs, I was like, oh, wow. I'm like, this is your skin in the metaverse, right? Like you're, you know, when I found CryptoPunks, it was like, this is your skin on crypto Twitter, on Discord, on Telegram, mm -hmm. right? Where uh, this is how I, I view the world to see me. So, so when I saw that, I was like, oh, this is going to be such a high value asset uh, for the same reason that. I felt that last cycle towards the end of the cycle, people would be like, you know, people would always joke of like, what are you going to do with your riches? I'm going to buy a Lamborghini. I was like, I made a thesis that, you know, I think by the end of this cycle, people would be like, what are you going to do with your money? I'm going to buy a punk. And, and that's how like my punk thesis came about. So when did you get your first punk? Uh, in December of last year. Okay. Very cool. And how much did you pay for it at the time? Is this, is the one that you're wearing right now, the, that one? No, I, I originally bought a zombie. I paid about $20,000 for it at the time. And uh, I sold it for around $1.4 million uh, months ago. I uh, wasn't expecting that. 
shit. Yeah, I was uh, gonna ask you, G Money, why you spent 140 ETH on uh, expensive <laughs> CryptoPunk. He answered. I, I think you just answered it. Yeah. Answered. Well, I mean, like at the time, right? Like it was. I obviously nobody knew that this was gonna happen, right? But like my thesis was uh, the same way that you see, like when we're in a bull market in equities overall, right? The price of cars go up, the price of houses go up, the price of both, like everything that's expensive, like expensive wine and watches. All these mm-hmm. things that are uh, expensive and scarce go up as well, right? So my thesis was, if I'm bullish on Ethereum, because at the time Ethereum was around like five or six hundred bucks, how do I get like upside convexity, right? Like how do I get that beta on the upside? So it's like let me buy this asset that's priced in ETH that I think will go up. You know, the same thing that happens with the wealth effect in equities. It's like yeah, as people get richer and make more money, of course they're going to buy something that's scarce that nobody else has. And that was kind of like my thesis for it. Like I just saw it as a massively mispriced option at the time. And you were right. Yeah. So are <laughs> you invested in any other uh, NFT projects? Um, yeah. I mean, I, I invest in a lot of stuff. You know, like I currently raised a fund uh, with Delphi Digital. Uh, you know, we raised $5 million, but mostly it's mine and their own money to kind of invest in the infrastructure around NFTs because mm-hmm. I, I'm a firm believer that NFTs are here to stay. Uh, mm-hmm. It's not the passing fad. I think art is the first uh, use case and it was the first industry to get disrupted. But, you know, mm-hmm. everything in the real world is an NFT, right? So it's mm-hmm. like if you think the world is going to be more digitized over time, more and more of those things will be coming on chain and they will be coming on chain as NFTs. Agreed. Yeah, I think you're, you're exactly right there. Um, okay, so so say you're just getting into NFTs, uh, or say I'm just getting into NFTs. What advice do you have for a beginner like me? Uh, are there any specific projects I should look into? Uh, yeah, so, you know, obviously, I, I'm a big, I still think that there's still a ton of upside in CryptoPunks, right? There's mm-hmm. only 10,000 of them ever made. There's 7 billion people worldwide. You do the math. So like, to me, like, I think that's a great thing to add to your portfolio. And I know the price is high, so you can buy fractionalized versions of those like uh, ERC-20 tokens. Uh, and there are a couple of different ways to do that. With regards to uh, projects, NFTs themselves, like I, you know, I'm a big, I'm a big fan of art blocks. I think what they're doing is really cool. I think the stuff you see coming out of Board Ape Yacht Club, their community is really good. But I mean, I really do think that like a lot of it, and it's interesting because like a lot of it's like super personal, right? Like if you're yeah. really into basketball, you're gonna really like NBA Top Shot, right? Like it's right. You know, and and I think that that's kind of like the interesting thing I've seen in, especially with this pullback that you've seen in crypto in general, is that like people have still been spending money on NFTs, right? Like last, last the first half of this year, we did two and a half billion dollars in sales in the entire in the entire ecosystem, and like that number is only going higher right so it's like i think that you you have not only whereas like when you buy a token or you buy a stock or whatever it is you're you're incentivized by money right for the most you're you're like well if i think this is going to make money i like it if i don't think it's going to make me money i don't like it but when you buy a collectible or when you buy art you know it's like more human right like you you have more of a connection to it so i think we've kind of been seeing that in the space and i think it's been super interesting uh, and like, I guess my suggestion would be to kind of like interact with the NFT world on Twitter, go into mm-hmm. the discords of your favorite projects, and then you'll find other people that are like-minded that like similar things. And you'll find it's, it, it really comes down to how deep down the rabbit hole you want to go, right? Just like anything in life. 
Yeah, definitely. So we have G Money's Twitter linked in the description below. That'll be a good place to start to get into crypto and NFT Twitter. Um, uh, so, so you said it's up to what you like. If you like Top Shot, if you like the NBA, then you like Top Shot. Um, so, do you just pick the projects that you personally are attracted to from an artistic perspective, uh, or is there something else that goes into your research? How do you distinguish just a random JPEG um, from a valuable collector's item that will, uh, you know, gain value in the long run? Yeah, so I think a lot of it is like you can look at the contemporary art market and how that functions. And mm -hmm. like, so a lot of it is also the story, right? Like how good mm -hmm. the artist at marketing themselves, right? Because Andy mm -hmm. Warhol was a genius mm -hmm. marketer, you know? Mm -hmm. To this day, he's regarded as like the father of contemporary art. And a lot of it was because of the image and the, the image that he built for himself. So like to me, it's like, I you know, I try to, at this point now, I, I think... Uh, a couple months ago, I was probably buying into stuff a little a little more loosely. Uh, but I think at this point, it's like I'm trying to be because I also know people track my wallet and the things that I'm buying. So I, I want I need to do more due diligence as opposed mm -hmm. to like being like, oh, I'm just going to throw a couple hundred bucks at this just because uh, right. sometimes I do that. Uh, but I won't make like a concentrated bet uh, or a big bet unless uh, I feel like the project is cool. I feel like maybe what they're doing and the roadmap is pretty cool. Um, and like, I see like long-term potential there. So G money, you brought up the point that people kind of get attached to these NFTs and they want to hold them. Mm -hmm. Um, and Logan and I have talked about before, you know, maybe in the bear market, we'll try and pick up a crypto punk when they're cheaper. Um, do you think that crypto punks and other NFTs will outperform, uh, other cryptocurrencies in a bear market because of that attachment that people have to them? Um, so I think that's a really good question because usually when people ask that question, they ask it from uh, in a bull market. And in a bull market, I think uh, the AAA assets outperform uh, the base asset. In a bear market, I think you probably see that convexity go to the downside as well, right? Where things will overcorrect uh, in a bear market. I, the interesting thing about crypto punks, like even in, in this pullback, right? Like I think the floor hit maybe 13 ETH, uh, like in, in the deepest of the pullback. Uh, and it's since rebounded pretty well. I think last I checked yesterday, I think it was at 18. But, you know, it's there. The thing is now people are very aware of what they are and they're becoming more aware of it every day. So it's like that bid just comes a little bit higher every time. Right. So it's like those those pullbacks will probably get shallower. Now, like in an extreme bear market where you see all asset prices get crushed, then for sure, I, I, I don't expect it to to outperform it uh, in general because it's it's beta on ETH, right? Which is, I consider beta on Bitcoin. Very interesting. And we just saw Jay-Z uh, pick up a CryptoPunk. I don't know, did you, have you heard, did he actually buy it himself? Is that confirmed or is he just making his Twitter profile picture? Uh, yeah, well, from, from what I've heard is he bought it uh, himself a couple months ago, maybe, or a couple weeks ago, uh, and then posted it in his profile picture on uh, on Twitter about a week and a half ago or two weeks ago. Yeah, that's so cool. Yeah. I expect to see more celebrities getting into this in the future. And oh, I yeah. did check the wallet on Etherscan. It, it is confirmed that it is Jay-Z's CryptoPunk, and I think he spent very about cool. $100,000 for it. So. She, very nice. Um, okay, so G-Money, if someone is bullish on, on NFTs in general, they get the space, but they don't really have the time to dig into any specific projects uh, to look for the undervalued pieces compared to the others, uh, they prefer to just invest in a platform. Uh, do you have any tokens or coins uh, that, that are like platform, uh, represent platforms uh, that you're bullish on that can be an easy way to just uh, capture the NFT volatility in general? 
Okay, yeah. So I think some of the things that uh, I think are coming out that are are really interesting that aren't necessarily out yet are probably factionalization platforms, right? Because like, let's say you have like a LeBron James uh, uh, hologram card uh, mm -hmm. on Top Shot, and you know the thing is worth a couple hundred thousand dollars, and you want access to that. The same way that you see it happening in the baseball card industry, like you're going to see fractionalization of these assets because it's like, hey, if my total portfolio size is five thousand dollars. And I only want to allocate 10% towards NBA top towards LeBron James NBA top shot. You know, you only have $500 to play with. So I think like that's the type of, those are the type of plays that I find really interesting. I think with NFTs themselves, uh, buying some sort of getting some sort of, uh, exposure to crypto punks, I think is like, I can't lose bet in the long run. Uh, I really do think that like these things appreciate over time, uh, down the road, but like for the most part, uh, some of the best projects I've been seeing like aren't out yet. Uh, I recently bought uh, AXS, the Axie Infinity coin, uh, mm -hmm. just because the play to earn has really started catching that flywheel. Like last week, they opened up the bridge uh, and you know it allowed breeding to become much more economic. And because mm -hmm. of that, you've seen like an explosive, explosive move in volume, which is you know it's it's I don't, I'm not even sure it's really reflected in the current price, even though it's like three or four X in the last like two weeks. But I do think that like when you, when you look at it a PE wise, like it's still really mm -hmm. cheap. It's pretty much earned more money than every DeFi protocol combined at this point. Yeah, that's Very crazy. Uh, so G money, do you just invest in Axie infinity or do you actually play the game? Uh, I haven't played the game, but you know, like to me, it's like, I, I'm an investor in their last round. Uh, I really like what they're doing. I, I think like also like the play to earn the, the play to earn model is really good, right? Like for especially in third world countries where it's it's a wage that's equal to to what that person might earn uh, mm -hmm. in their current job, right? And so like to me, it's like you're opening up a world of opportunity. Uh, I'm actually uh, just this past week, I've been thinking about you know maybe opening up some sort of scholarship program so I can help people uh, that can't afford an Axie themselves and they can use like an Axie to necessarily to, to play the game and, and earn money themselves. That's cool. Hmm. So I was browsing Twitter the other day and I came across these things called real crypto punks and they're basically just, I'm not sure if you've heard of them, but they're basically just like a Vitalik face with like a CryptoPunk combined. Um, and they're still like pretty cheap. Obviously they're no CryptoPunks, they're completely separate. They're not made by Larva Labs. Uh, have you heard of them? And if so, do you have any thoughts on it? Uh, a buddy of mine sent me the link to them yesterday. I mean, I, I thought they were funny. <laughs> like, yeah. I, I think a lot, all these derivatives works of punks and even these 10,000 run uh, profile picture projects, they're all like derivatives of punks in my opinion. And if anything, all they do is is reinforce the value prop of a crypto punk, right? Like you don't go to uh, Chinatown, you don't go down to Canal Street to buy like a fake version of some bag you've never heard of, right? Like people are always mm -hmm. trying to knock off the original. So like to me, all these things just just solidify punk's place uh, in like the NFT space. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah, uh, very cool. So Ryan, do you want to talk about DAOs now? Yeah, sure. So G-Money, I've seen your Twitter. I see you talk about DAOs. Um, are there any DAO projects that you're excited about? And for the viewers that uh, aren't very familiar with what a decentralized autonomous organization is, uh, could you just explain that for our viewers real quick? Yeah, so a DAO is pretty much a group of 
like-minded individuals <laughs> coming together for a specific cause, right? Whether it be for investing in a certain project, buying certain assets, um, like pooling, just pooling money together for access uh, for scale, right? Uh, I myself am a member of a bunch of different DAOs, uh, probably the two most prominent ones. I'm a member of our Flamingo DAO, which is uh, like probably it is the first art uh, NFT DAO in the space and Pleaser DAO, which is, uh, you know, focused on buying like very, uh, very unique one of one collectibles uh, and uh, and building a good portfolio, almost like trying to be mm -hmm. the MoMA of, uh, of the NFT space. So like to me, I, I think like the cool thing about them is like you get a lot of smart people uh, driven for like the same the same cause together. Right. Like I recently mm -hmm. joined Metaverse DAO, which is literally, you know, their mandate is to build out the metaverse. Right. Either through through architect projects, through buying up land and doing events in the space. Uh, and a bunch of different cool things. So like, to me, I think, you know, I, I, I hosted a Twitter spaces last week on, on Dow day when uh, DAOs became uh, officially recognized in the state of Wyoming, where you can create a DAO. And uh, you know, there were, I'm going to post the, the link to that relatively soon, but there were like some real, like smart people on there that, that kind of, uh, I learned, I know I learned a lot, so I know a lot of other people can learn a lot, but DAOs are like in their infancy, right? Like, you know, it's mm -hmm. just, a, a more convenient way uh, and faster way for people to uh, to come together for a common cause. So diving a little bit deeper into <coughs> the DAOs you're in, uh, for example, like that one of one art DAO that you said you're part of, uh, can anyone in that DAO just submit a proposal for like an investment in some sort of NFT and then that gets voted on? And then is there like a, a period of time where you can leave the DAO if you don't want your funds invested into that NFT? Or how does the actual investment perspective of the DAO work? So we've, we've bought maybe, I think four or five pieces at this point. Uh, it's generally been uh, very, like for instance, we bought the Doge, the Dogecoin meme, like the actual picture, the Shiba. Uh, we bought that for four, that was our last, our last buy. We bought it for $4 million, maybe a month ago. And uh, for the most part, I'll say that like consensus gets reached pretty quickly and, and, and fast. Uh, and everybody for the most part, is on the same page. Uh, I, I'm trying to think of like ones where it was super contentious, but it's pretty much, there's maybe a soft poll within the chat. And then once we get a soft poll, uh, we'll go to a snapshot vote. And then, you know, whoever wins, whichever side wins, uh, obviously that's what the DAO does, but nobody's been like, no, like I don't want my funds allocated to that. Like we all own our ownership in the DAO and that's like our percentage of the pool. So this is the DAO here, please or DAO, right? Yep. Okay, very cool. And so we can see here the gallery of all uh, the art pieces that the DAO owns? Yep. Interesting. So so how many members are in this DAO right now? Uh, and how long does it take for the votes? Does, do you have to have like a majority of the, the users active at the same time to pull one of these off? Um, so I don't know what the exact numbers are for Pleaser, but usually for all these on-chain votes, like there needs to be a certain percentage for quorum. And then mm -hmm. obviously, it's divvied up off that quorum uh there i think there's like somewhere between 60 and 70 members of the dao at the moment uh and that yeah it, it allows for like faster decision making at this point and we're we're still working on plans on, on how we want to approach the space going forward cool uh, so what does it take to get in one of these DAOs? uh and also how long are your voting periods i'm just curious um i think the voting i so in Flamingo, I think the voting periods are about three days. 
Uh, in Pleaser, I think, I think it's maybe like a dare. It, it depends, I think, on how on how quickly we need to act. Pleaser, mm -hmm. we act very quickly. Um, and I, with regards to joining DAOs, uh, Flamingo, you need to be an accredited investor. Uh, Pleaser, uh, it's it's like invitation only at the moment. Uh, mm -hmm. But there are other DAOs that you know uh, that you can join that you know have you know not large requirements or is really like a big decentralized organization, right? Like I think mm -hmm. one of the things slowing DAOs down at the moment is the legal side of things. Uh, not only like liability for personal members, but also uh, what happens when you have over 100 people in an organization in the United States. So like these are all questions that hopefully we'll be getting clarity on relatively soon uh, mm -hmm. so that the space can grow bigger from here. When you say a credit investor, do you mean you have to have um, like uh, what over a million dollars or 250,000, whatever it is um, yeah. in crypto in your account? And it has to be like, you know, snapshot it that way, or you have to go through the actual SEC and become a credited investor kind of thing. So, I was just this. So, yeah. Flamingo so uh, is very much uh, dotting its I's and crossing its T's and that, uh, you know, you do have to be, there's KYC uh, that was involved with that. And I think you get the whole spectrum of how fast and loose DAOs want to be, right? Gotcha. Um, you know, it's just, it's like a, a range of grays, right? So it's you, mm -hmm. every DAO kind of sets their own rules. But that makes sure. sense. That's what I was wondering. So uh, on to another topic uh, real quick as virtual reality and augmented reality become more mainstream and popular and their use case is just kind of exploding um where do you see them uh, merging into the metaverse or into nfts in general just that whole technology we're going gaming or videos or art all that kind of stuff i mean i i think you're gonna see it come as a game right like i think that's kind of usually what happens with with all technological advances. And like, to me, it makes a lot of sense. Like, I mean, I, I always use the Fortnite analogy because to me, Fortnite is like a really cool metaverse that mm -hmm. a lot of people like of all ages and, and sizes love. And yeah. like, to me, that's going to become more and more interactive, right? Like I'm in my late thirties. So the first video game I played was Super Mario Brothers on, on yeah. Infinite Nintendo, right? So like and here today now like you know you i'm playing on an 80 inch television with my friends on the other side of the world with 100 random people and mm -hmm. it's like to think that the metaverse has reached its final form is ridiculous right because like yep. tech, every technologically event technology advance has told you otherwise so like to me like i i mean i think i have my idea of how it possibly comes but like we really don't like i don't think anybody really knows until it happens right like i think cool things like what axie is doing where people can actually do this as their job, like helps push it forward more, right? Where people, you know, you're, people are just spending more and more lives uh, in, in a digital format, right? And COVID definitely accelerated that a lot, uh, mm -hmm. which is probably also explains, uh, besides all the monetary easing, why we saw such an increase in crypto and, and, and all these online communities is because people are just in front of the computers way more now. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That that Fortnite analogy is, I mean, that's that's so good to explain how the NFT space boomed, how it did. I, I never really thought of it that way, and I will definitely use that because that's it's a perfect example of, you know, Fortnite. These these 
costumes or not costumes. I feel, I feel like an old man when I say that, <laughs> but these skins, um, yeah. you know, they don't really do anything to you, but all these kids want to collect them. And I, I played Fortnite, but I'm, I'm in my early thirties. So I, I can relate to not having all of that growing up in video games, but it's crazy to just to see. And then crypto punks, it's not like it's, it's very, it's not like it's, it is art, but it's, it's very simplistic in the sense it's just pixels and it's, mm-hmm. you know, it's something simple, but the, the amount of value behind it and the amount of rarity and all this other technology that goes into it to make it something else. That's what's so incredibly special. And um, mm-hmm. you can see that with the Fortnite because, you know, it is what it is, but they're rarity. They have, you know, you can only get them through X, Y, and Z. You have to do all this stuff or you have to buy it. And so that's, that's just a great analogy to see like where this whole um, space is going and has go- come from. So I just wanted to point that out. That's, that's yeah. awesome. And, and like to build on that point, right. Is like a lot of it too, is like, if you look at branding and clothing brands and like, I, I use this analogy a lot as well, where it's like, you know, when I grew up, I loved Nikes, right. I always wanted a pair of Nike sneakers and my parents, you know, Nikes are like a hundred bucks. But meanwhile, like I, the same way that like, we're looking at kids now being like, why do you want to buy this skin? It doesn't do anything for you. Our parents were probably thinking the same thing when they're like, why are you buying this hundred pair of sneakers, hundred dollar pair of sneakers when you can buy a pair of sneakers for $15 that does the same thing. Right. Mm -hmm. And for me, it's like, it's an extension of that, let's say Western consumerism that's been built over the last 70, 80 years. Yeah. Or like Supreme clothing or any designer clothing, like, you know, you get a Hanes t-shirt, but you can pay $200 for the same shirt if it has that logo on it. Exactly. Yeah, it makes perfect sense. Uh, and, and G Money, when you joined, it hit me that the metaverse is real. We are living in the metaverse already. Um, <laughs> and as you can have this CryptoPunk uh, as your augmented face. Um, so I'm curious, how, how did you do that? What type of software are you running for that? Uh, so it's literally just a Snapchat filter that uh, I installed on my computer. This uh, huh. CryptoPunk, uh, CryptoNovo uh, made one for me. With, and you know, I was like, oh, this is great. Uh, because again, this kind of pushes the narrative a little more, right? Like mm-hmm. we're already living in the metaverse, right? Like when you're interacting on Twitter, when you're on, on YouTube, when you're on these online communities, like to me, that's what the metaverse is, right? Like an online community. It's just mm-hmm. how immersive is it, right? And it's not the most immersive right now because it's 2D and it's on screen. But sure. I think as technology develops, it'll be more immersive where, you know, at some point in the future, we'll be having mm-hmm. the same conversation in like your studio uh, with all our avatars facing each other, right? Yeah, exactly. So so let's extrapolate that a little bit. Uh, and we say 100 years down the road, some type of uh, apocalyptic style event happens uh, and everyone has to move into some sort of metaverse, be it Earth 2, be it Decentraland, uh, or, or be it Axie. Where are you moving and why? Oh, man. Uh, I'd like to think that that metaverse hasn't been built yet. You know, like I, I maybe, maybe some sort of space metaverse. You know, mm-hmm. I explore a bunch of different planets. Uh, but I think that there'll be like, it'll almost be like Westworldy, right? Where, and not the dystopian side of it, or maybe the dystopian side of it, I don't know. Uh, but like where, you know, you can go into like some theme world that you want. And then when you get bored of it and you want to do something else, you can go to another theme world, right? And that's mm-hmm. kind of like the beauty of tech, right? It's like, you know, I can play, uh, you know, Call of Duty right now if I want. But then if like 20 minutes from now I want to play The Sims, I can I can immerse myself in that world for a little bit. Very cool. Uh, okay, so let, let's bring it back to uh, what you mentioned earlier. You said that there's going to be a super cycle happening. Do you think that it, this cycle is the super cycle or do you think it's going uh, to be the next one? 
What's your take? Oh, uh, well, when I'm, when I mentioned the super cycle, I just mean that like, you know, that, that kid will be increasingly okay with digital ownership, right? Like, like mm -hmm. I said, I'm in my late thirties. When I describe the concept of an NFT to somebody my age, they don't get it. They think it's stupid. When I describe it to anybody under the age of 18, they're like, that's awesome. How can I do it? So mm -hmm. like, to me, I'm just saying, you know, like you have, you know, seven-year-olds playing Roblox in Minecraft that understand mm -hmm. like, oh, I only own this thing in this video game and I'm okay with it. So like to yep. me, as, as you spend more time in front of a screen and you're growing up with it, you're just, you're just going to be naturally more digitally native. So like to yep. me, that's the super cycle that happens over the next 10 to 30 years where, um, mm -hmm. you know, you don't really want to follow the trends that people my age are doing. You want to follow the trends of, of the youth because that's going to tell you uh, where the money is going to be flowing to the incremental dollar over the next couple decades. Very, very cool. Uh, yeah, that's this is this has been super fascinating so far. I'm loving it. Uh, if you guys are loving it out there in the chat, make sure to smash the like button uh, and let us know. We can definitely get G Money uh, back on in the future with some more NFT content. Um, okay, so let's talk about other crypto plays outside of the NFT space. Uh, uh, what blockchains are you looking at? What projects in the DeFi space are you looking at right now? Okay, yeah. So let's see. I, I'm a big I'm a big Ethereum bull. I like ETH long term. Uh, I like Yearn. I'm a big mm -hmm. fan of Yearn, and like I'm, I'm very much, and like at, at the moment right now, I, I've been focused a lot on on NFT venture plays, and one of the things I always look for is like the team, right? And like I think uh, the team at Yearn is like top notch, and uh, you know, coming from finance, when it was one of the first projects that really like clicked to me, uh, where I was like, oh, like this is literally owning BlackRock, this is literally owning the GP of a hedge fund, right? Mm -hmm. And it's like those i mean if you look at the stocks of if you look at the stock of blackrock like you know it prints money it all comes down to how much aum do you have so like to me it's like all right do i think that more money will be coming in a crypto to to the crypto sphere yes so what do i want to own those 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 projects and those assets that will benefit from it and like to me yearn is like one of the top notch plays very cool i have a little bit of yearn right now but i'm gonna have to pick some more up after this <laughs> um yeah so let's toss it out to the chat if you guys have any questions for g money uh, uh drop them in the comments below and we will ask him um but i'm gonna toss it over to ryan and brian you guys have any 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 questions yeah so g money uh you talk about investing in some expensive nfts like crypto punks um do you recommend buying nfts that are less expensive or what do you prefer what do you recommend buying fractional shares of more expensive nfts um, so I kind of think that like a lot of the value accrual happens at the really high end, right? Because there's only so many of them. And I think it's like, an, it's natural human behavior to want to like show off to your friends for, for better or worse. This is just something that humans have been doing for, you know, tens of thousands of years that, you know, you want to place yourself on the social hierarchy. So you want to own the higher value asset, right? Because that just places you higher on it. And that was part of my thesis behind punks, right? Uh, I think, I mean, even a floor punk is not cheap, right? Like a floor punk is still right now about $40,000, right? So it's like, these are, that's that's a really high end watch. You know, when, when you look, when you think about it, I think, <clears throat> I think it's funny being in crypto, you really get desensitized to like, oh, it's only 18 ETH because literally a year ago, 18 ETH was like half, you know, less than half of what it is, a quarter of what it is today, you know? Mm -hmm. uh, so, so yeah, I mean, I, I think, 
I, I would definitely never tell anybody to overextend themselves uh, mm -hmm. because are illiquid assets that uh, when you need liquidity the most, you will not have it. So you have to be willing to hold it through, you know, up cycles and down cycles unless you time mm -hmm. it perfectly. But, uh, you know, as a trader, I know you can never sell the top or buy the bottom so mm -hmm. that you, know, you can only do the best that you that you can possibly try. You know, you can get close. <laughs> yeah, I um. So I bought my first NFT probably about a month ago, I, I'd say. And it's it, I didn't really do it as a return. I bought a um a sketch by Justin Rowland, the guy who did Rick and Morty, because I was pretty interested in it. And I'm not really, I'm not in it to have a return on it. I liked it because I like his art style and I thought it was really fascinating. And I found out that it's, it was at the cheapest price it's ever been. So I just went ahead and bought it and there's maybe a $40 return on it. Or if I sell it on somewhere else, like, um, open C, I can get like a couple hundred more dollars for it. But I think a good thing, a good way to look at, you know, look at NFTs as well as not just investing, but actually collecting into, you know, art of artists you actually like, or of different pieces that you find fascinating or that you, um, you just want to have not in it in the mm -hmm. sense of I'm going to hold this and sell it for $1.4 million, but <laughs> just as something that you, you know, cause I, I highly doubt how I will really even get a return on that, but I, I didn't do it for the return. I, I really, yeah. I like it. I like him as an artist. Um, uh, well, you know, I, that, I like the show, but yeah, that's. I mean, I, I'm a huge Rick and Morty fan, so so props there. I've I've liked I, I've liked what I've seen so far this season as well. But yeah, mm -hmm. I, I agree with you, right? Like people tell you, uh, you don't buy art to make money; buy art you like, right? And it's yeah. the same with NFTs, right? Like I buy some things that like I know are, are going to be worthless in the long run, but like, hey, I like what this creator is doing. I want to help them create more because I am enjoying it. So it's if me buying, spending a couple hundred dollars to help support their craft, then mm -hmm. to me it's worth it, right? Yeah. Well, he's yeah, made money. millions of dollars and he doesn't need my money, but oh, yeah. <laughs> I still mm -hmm. like it. And I think that, I mean, if it, I don't know if I'll ever sell it, but that's what, like, the, I've been collecting a few NFTs like that and eventually mm -hmm. I'll get into it. I don't have, you know, crypto punk money, but I, I do know a few ways around it. And I've been, you know, I, I'll, I'll have my, day in um nft port soon enough hopefully <laughs> looking for i'm looking forward to the day when uh you make it your your avatar on twitter <laughs> yeah oh yeah i'm gonna try i'm gonna try i need so a million dollars we, we talked about how art was the first industry to get disrupted by nfts um what do you think are some of the next ones g money um i'd say music um i mean pretty much every every industry out there right like uh, music is probably something I've been seeing a lot of uh, gaming, right? Like we're already starting to see it, but obviously with Axie, but you know, mm -hmm. there's a lot of people building a lot of games, right? Because, and I, I don't know how true this is, but there's always that, that fable or that story of like, literally what sparked Vitalik to build Ethereum was he amassed like this huge world of Warcraft account or one of these MMORPG accounts. And because there was like some bug that he was exploiting or something, he violated the terms of service and he lost everything he owned in this massive account. And he's like, that's mm. bullshit. And like <laughs> literally started, started, uh, that's where like Ethereum was born. Right. Wow. Um, so it's like, you know, it's like, how cool would it be if I had, you know, spend a couple hundred bucks on Fortnite on these skins. And then like, mm. if I don't want one anymore, 
I can sell it. And if like, you know, it was a special one, I could sell it at a, at a higher price. Right. Like, mm-hmm. I, I don't know. I think, I think gaming and music from what I see are probably like the two industries where people have been concentrating a lot of their time and effort on for the, for the last couple of months from what I've seen. Yeah. And what do you think about, uh, like, NFTs that represent either like trading positions or liquidity providing positions like the, the Uniswap uh, V3 positions. Yeah. I mean, I think it's really cool. I actually was talking to a developer about it uh, uh, like two, three weeks ago and he like coded something up because basically like there's, there's NFTs, there's a protocol called charge particles where you can put an ERC 20 position in the NFT and then like you can stream it out over time. Right. So, what, what can you do with that? You can basically make any structured product, right? So if let's say you were an early investor in my startup and mm-hmm. I wanted to stream tokens to you, uh, I could give you the NFT that had all those tokens in there that would stream out as long as you owned it. But let's say you wanted liquidity at some point, you could mm-hmm. sell that NFT to somebody else. And, wow. and, and these are transactions that are happening already. Uh, mm-hmm. It's just that there's there are large OTC trades that happen and there needs to be like some sort of contracts that are signed and a uh, an intermediary that takes like a nice big chunk of it, right? It's like, how cool would it be if I can basically sell my position to you at whatever agreed upon price and there needs to be no trust in that transaction, right? Because the yeah. transaction I just described to you requires a lot of trust and contracts and a lot of these things in place. Mm-hmm. But like, to me, it's like, this is like, that to me is like the real upside and the promise of NFTs is like all these cool things that you can do with them down the road. Mm-hmm. I mean, the, the, it's, it, it is really uh, limitless of the amount of things that NFTs that you can do by creating non-fungible token assets. Like you can think about anything that goes on a ledger, supply chains, you can, you can do it for, you know, farmers in, in rural areas of different countries throughout the world can actually utilize this without um, a wireless signal, you know, they don't have to have mm-hmm. Wi-Fi, and then they can have full-on stock. They can ship. They, can, I mean, there's so ticketing systems. There's um, governments voting. All this stuff. I mean, it's going to take over the world. And it started with art, but it, it the, you know, it, the possibilities are endless to what we'll see NFTs actually do. I know we're all really excited about. It. We were all kind of, you know, it was kind of weird when people sold. Um, you know, some of his stuff for $67 million, you're like, this can't last for very long. But I mean, it's, we were proven wrong. You know, it, it's still happening. Maybe the, the amount has gone down, but it's, it's just fluctuating and it's not going anywhere when it comes to art. It's just expanding, but it's just really cool to see where this is going to take us in five years from now. What, you know, what even YouTube is going to look like. I mean, it's just, yeah. it's ridiculous. Yeah, no, I, I think, you know, crypto is coming for every industry. We know that. Uh, and it's like, you know, NFTs are part of that thesis, you know? Mm-hmm. So are you They're familiar with the, the, the Senso project uh, that title is invested in? Uh, no, I'm not. Okay. I'm not too familiar with it either. We have a, a chat question. Uh, it's apparently a, a virtual reality and augmented reality concerts uh, in a virtual world. So yeah, if titles in it, uh, titles the the music company that's owned by Jay Z. Uh, clearly, Jay Z's going into crypto. Jay Z's been known to make some pretty good investments in the past. So, uh, Ruel, we don't we can't really talk too much about it without knowing more. Um, but it's probably something that uh, uh, that will grow in in the the near future. Um, yeah, that is. Uh, Brandon wants to know: uh, Can we expand on Decentraland and the potential? Um, so, Decentraland is basically 
uh, a virtual world that you can buy NFT plots of land on, uh, and and you can have your CryptoPunk. Uh, you can send your CryptoPunk or your NFT art to that plot of land. Is that correct? Uh, yep. Yeah. It's a you know it's a decentralized world. It's probably the most decentralized at this point. Um, mm. You know, I, and I think one of the coolest use cases I've seen in Decentraland is this project called Decentral Games, which is a casino in the metaverse. Uh, and, you know, obviously in the depths of COVID last year, nobody could leave their house. Um, that was probably one of the cooler. I'd say there were the two best experiences I had during COVID last year were one, uh, playing in the casino, playing blackjack with my buddies mm -hmm. uh, and like literally going, you know, at, at the time there was no voice chat in the world. So we, we uh, called each other on our phones and we were sitting at the blackjack table playing together, which was really cool. And then the second to uh, to to what the first question was was the um, the the Travis Scott uh, concert that was in Fortnite, right? Like that yeah. was one of the coolest experiences I I had done during COVID. That's very cool. cool. Uh, we got a little correction from Happy here. Uh, the Jay Z sold title to Dorsey uh, for three hundred and fifty million dollars earlier this year. That must be where yeah. he got that crypto punk money from. Mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, well, he's like what the first uh, uh, billionaire rapper, Jay Z, isn't he? Or yeah, was one of the first. Yeah, yeah, I think he was the first one. He made a billion think, dollars think, off the rap um, industry. Maybe Sean P Diddy Combs was the first one off of Ciroc. Uh, in those other ventures, but I know Jay was up there. I'm I think sure you're wrong, exactly and we'll fight first. about it. <laughs> uh, maybe, maybe on the next episode. Um, uh, but for now, we're gonna go into some Uni V3 NFT positions. I'll be purchasing one myself. Um, but G Money, thanks for stopping by. Thanks for hanging out with us today. Uh, I learned a ton, so I know the audience did as well. This was super fascinating, uh, and we'd love to have you back on in the future. So thanks for thanks for coming in. Yeah, man. Awesome. Thanks a lot, guys. It was had a blast. Awesome. Yeah, thank you. All right, later. Have a good one. Bye. Boom. Peace Bye. out. See ya. He left on a fact. <laughs> All righty. If you guys enjoyed that interview, make sure to smash the like button. I know I did. That was one of the most fun ones we've done so far. Uh, check out G Money's Twitter in the description below. Uh, and we'll get some clips on Twitter as well uh, if you missed any uh, of the segments. Uh, from that interview. Um, but next up, I want to enter an, a liquidity providing position on Uniswap version three. Uh, I, this is my first time doing it, uh, but Ryan has, I think, three of them right now there. I'll go with you too. NFTs. So Ryan is going to help me out uh, as I do this here. Um, so pardon me if I make any uh, missteps along the way, um, but Ryan, you're just going to have to catch me uh, and help me out here. So um, let me switch over to my laptop real quick. Uh, move the mic over just a little bit. Can, can you guys still hear me okay? Yeah, now you're good. Okay, very cool. Uh, okay, so I am logged into Uniswap here uh, and I have my MetaMask. Please, okay, okay, good thing. It's still unlocked. Um, otherwise, we'd be screwed. So I'm going to do the Mana ETH pool, the Decentraland token, uh, uh, and the ETH pair. Um, so I have about $826 of mana, and I only have 200 of ETH. So I'm going to need to pick up some more ETH right now. So let's see. I Logan, I would, I would check how much ETH you need before you do it, because depending on the concentrated liquidity, you might need more or less than the mana you have. Okay, so how would Pro I move. go do that? So should I go over to the, to the pool? Should uh, I go? The first thing the I would do is I'd try and find a chart on ETH Mana to try and get an idea of like what the proportions are and where it's trading, so you can have an idea of like the range you wanna you wanna submit liquidity to. Okay, where should I look? Where should I go for that? 
Maybe TradingView has it. Okay. Let me just pull up this mana ETH pool. And and what percentage Wait. should I go should I be looking at here? Explain what you mean by trading view has it, because I'm confused on that and I'm sure other people might be. Is it 0.3% or 1%? And then I'll pull up trading view. Uh 0.3%. Uh yeah, I use trading view just to look at charts, especially for Uniswap positions, because they have a ton of different pairs. Um, so you can go on trading view, see they do have mana ETH, and then mm -hmm. you can see the proportion of ETH to mana. And mm -hmm. you have to you have to submit a concentrated liquidity uh on units right? right a range yeah so you, you need to look at this proportion and see like where is it usually trading and like what am i comfortable you know how concentrated do i want my liquidity to be mm -hmm. because the more concentrated it is the higher fees you'll earn but also the the smaller amount of time that you'll actually be earning fees because it's more likely to go out of that range so mm -hmm. i mean there are some programs that estimate it um they're not super accurate though so i mean they, they may be helpful for you um but it's really more or less of just a guessing game and trial and error than anything else so i know that your concentrated liquidity pos uh, positions are fairly concentrated um but i've been leaning towards making one uh that's wider so that I, i'd be earning fees for more time uh but obviously a smaller amount uh would you recommend that or would you recommend going for the more concentrated position so right now, I actually, I have four different positions. I'm looking to add hopefully three or four more. And my strategy that I'm starting to do is get some concentrated positions. Hopefully they'll be trading maybe between 25 to 40% of the time, um, but get different concentrate, get different ranges for those positions. So if I can have several different liquidity provider uh positions on Uniswap, mm -hmm. then some of them may be out. Like right now, I have four, two are out of range, two are in range. So like at least half of my positions are earning interest right now. Mm -hmm. um, so that's my strategy is going for more pools um, with concentrated positions instead of less pools with less concentrated positions. Mm -hmm. Gotcha. And it also, you also have to keep in mind like the maximum and minimum ticks because that's like that's essentially where the price of mana or ETH will be when you get essentially liquidated from your position. It's not. I don't know if liquidated is the right word. It's when you stop earning fees. It's uh, it's like a fee earning limit order, I guess. So if you go out of range, say mana goes down out of your range, then you'll only be holding mana. Um, if ETH goes down. Uh, out of your range, then you'll only be holding ETH until it gets back in that range. So once it's back in that range, you'll start earning the fees again, and it'll automatically rebalance. Hmm. Very okay. interesting. Uh, so I'm seeing a, a support line here, like two seven. Um, so maybe I'll say uh, I'll set my bottom at at zero point zero 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 three ETH per mana. Um, but should the the bear market continue? Uh, it could go back up to these levels. Um, so what do you think about a top around 0 0.0005? Is that too big of a position? Is that too big of a range? That's, yeah, I mean, I'd say that's probably double to triple what most of my ranges are. Mm -hmm. um, and I don't really see much trading going on by around 0 0.005, right? I mean, we saw it shot up and it went up, up above for a while, but then it came mm -hmm. back down. Um, and we see it has spent a lot of this time kind of lower so if the the bear market continues to happen then mm -hmm. i mean it could go back and trend in that range so i mean it's really hard to tell right now too with the nft bubble and and everything going on and all this hype around around nfts and decentraland uh, in particular mm -hmm. so that's what i'm that's what i'm kind of betting on here is if this nft uh, uh craze continues uh we could see some some uh areas so like the the pair getting into this zone up here. Uh, and in that case, I still want to be earning fees. Uh, so maybe I, I'd be earning a little bit less in the meantime, but I could uh, potentially earn fees for longer. 
um, if I have my range go up to to this point oh 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 five level. Right. Um, and what do you think about that? You're right. I mean, it's good. I think I, if mana does go up to those levels, you can't really complain because you're just selling it at a profit and buying ETH with it. And then if if mana goes back down and it's cheaper, then you're spending some of your ETH to get your mana back, and then you're earning interest again. Okay. So say I put it at. at at four instead of five uh and it goes above the range i'll be fully in eth at that point yes hey i can never complain about having more eth right um okay so i'm gonna call it somewhere in the middle um like ryan said this is just trial and error uh so we'll call it at a point zero 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 three zero to point zero 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 that was one too many zeros four five um okay so, so then where do i go from here? so since you're really close your minimum price is really close to the current price you'll have uh -huh. to provide a lot more of one token than the other i think interesting you would okay. be providing more i mean you can press max and c right now see so you'd, you'd be providing oh, so forty dollars of mana and only 155 dollars of eth if you do it that way which i already have boom um let me, will it will it take some extra does it already account for the fees here It'll no. tell you. Uh, no, not there, but it's going to tell you in a second. And then you yeah, have so the, if I just go the gas like that, cost. Approve. Five That's bucks. not bad. Not too bad here. Just I just sold my waters. hex, and it was $5. Well, you have to approve it, and then you have to deploy it, so there's going to be another transaction. Okie dokie, and uh, hopefully that doesn't have I'm going to approve this much, one. It was, it was some, like $22 uh, for me to sell my hex, which is a lot, but... I was over it. Very, very cool. Um, so yeah, let us know in the chat uh, if you have any questions about Uniswap uh, and about liquidity providing, about market making, uh, and we will try to answer them in the meantime while these Ethereum transactions are pending. Um, but yeah, also let us know if you have any of these LP positions. Um, Ryan, do you want to run us through yours and what your thought process was behind each one, maybe what you learned from, from each one? Sure. So I had a V2 position, which was pretty big uh, in ETH and Uniswap. Uh, mm -hmm. And then I, I migrated, migrated that over to Uniswap V3. And I mean, no one really knew what they were doing at that point. It just came out. Um, I set my position from 62 uni uh, per ETH to 100 uni per ETH. Um, and right now it's at about 103 uni per ETH. So I'm not earning any fees, but it is pretty close. So I was bullish on uni. I still am. I didn't see the bear market coming. It was close to the top when I put it in. Um, so once uni goes back up, I'll start earning fees on that again. Um, since then, I've entered other positions. I'm in uni ETH uh, and I'm also in link ETH, uh, Ave ETH and one inch ETH. So the way I see it is as long as I'm bullish on these altcoins, that's all that really matters, right? I don't really care which particular altcoin I'm in as long as I'm bullish on it. Um, as long as I keep, well, you know, what's more important to me is keeping like a, a good proportion of Ethereum to Ethereum altcoins. Uh, okay, so I'm running into a little bit of a problem. Oh, shoot, man. I keep clicking the wrong currencies. Uh, so I need to pick up some more ETH. Um, Ryan, Is the, you see, I, I think this is, I have 0.06 uh, left in my wallet and I need 0.08. It's $50 gas fee to add this liquidity, um, which is it's pretty pricey, but it has been worse in the in the past. So I'll pick up insufficient USDC balance. That's not, oh wow, I do not have that, that's for sure. Uh, I want 200 USDC into ETH. So um, something else to consider here, Logan, since you're spending $50 on the gas fee, it might be worth widening the range because if you widen the range, go lower, you'll be putting up more Ethereum. So that way you'll be earning more interest because you're staking more funds. 
right? So you're spending $50 to put it in. And if you're only staking $1,000, and that's going to be a 5% 5 essentially, which it may take a week or two to, to recoup. Hmm. So, so you're saying I should lower my range? If you still have the ability to. Okay. Uh, I mean, if it's a thirty dollars gas, is this swap really thirty dollars? The gas is, yeah. Man, that that shit hurted. Um, now you're uh, out of ETH. Doing this for you guys. Uh, no, I'm not out of. I'm not out of ETH. <laughs> I just got some more. Uh, okay, so then let me go back to where was I here? So, um, well, I probably have to wait for for my ETH to go through here for the swap to complete. Uh, then I'll have 150 bucks more ETH and I'll hopefully I'll be able to enter this position. If not, I'll have to, uh, to lower my, uh, my liquidity and then, it will, then I'll be able to cover the difference. Um, we should get a, a, a Jeopardy noise button. Do we have one of those? Hmm. Not do, looking do, like. Do, do, Thank do, you, Brian. That's all you get. All right. What? Well, let's uh, explain more about it. I don't know. Let's talk about it. Let's talk about it. Let's talk about it, Brian. Why don't you have a, an LP position? I don't. I haven't really done this. <clears throat> I haven't done LP LP nonsense. You could try and pull up DeFi Labs and see if it gives you a, a good estimate on the fees you'll be earning. Oh yeah. Well, I kind of want to wait till. This, I mean, I guess I can check it out. DeFi Labs. You got to update your Chrome too. Oh, I do, man. That's a problem. Yeah. Um, freaking heck, this is frustrating. How? So, how long do you think that this swap is going to take? I mean, it should have gone through by now. Yeah, I thought that the ETH blocks are supposed to be 15 seconds. What's going well, pull on? It, pull it up on uh, Etherscan. It'll tell you what's going on. Well, I meant the transaction hash. You can probably find it there, the pending one, yeah. It's just taking a while. It might revert. Uh-oh. But the, you wouldn't lose anything. Oh, okay. That would suck. Yeah, um, no, it would just it would just like it never happened. So Brian, <laughs> I had a question actually. What's the difference between like a, a transaction reverting and a transaction failing, right? Because if a transaction fails you lose your gas, but if it reverts you don't. Uh yeah, um I, I think they're the same. Uh, you yeah, you would lose the um, well. Okay, so if you um, if you have a transaction and you're trying to push it through, say you're trying to interact with a smart contract and you try to push it through, and there's something wrong with the smart contract or there's something wrong with the transaction you're trying to send, and it's just going to be blocked, it'll come back and the gas won't be taken out. Mm -hmm. If it's failed and you try to speed it up, you you won't get that gas back. If it's failed for a reason, like say you send you're trying to um, send someone, I'm trying to send you, uh, you know, 0.5 ETH, but I send it to the token address instead of your wallet address. It'll go through, won't revert, but it could cancel. I mean, it could uh, revert. Most likely it would just go through and go straight to your, um, 
thing if you don't press cancel in time. So if it's, I guess the best way to explain it is if it's user error, it the guess we taken. If there was a something wrong with the the network at the time or the code or something like that, most of the time it just completely washes itself out and it doesn't take the gas. But it, that's also a hit and miss. I can't really, I can't, I, I don't know the exact details on um, Johnny Black. How. Johnny Black, you don't know the half of it. Okay, I've lost so much money from failed transactions. <laughs> I wish it was only $30 I've lost. Yeah, that's, I mean, you're not wrong. Okay, so Ryan, uh, I just added the liquidity. Uh, my tra- my swap went through. I added the liquidity. Is it still, uh, is, am I still on the right track here? Yeah, I mean, you should be. All right, very cool. So once this goes through, once it gets approved, um, I'll have a an ERC721 NFT token uh, that represents my liquidity providing position. Is that correct? Yep. And where do I go to check that bad boy out? Well, if you close out of that, you can see right there. <sighs> oh, look at that, man. You are just the best at this. They should hire you at Uniswap. They really uh, should. Uh, okay, so let's let's go back to uh, uh, the chat here. Um, just checking it out for a second. I, I want to do make a disclaimer. You can easily lose all your money in a failed or averted transaction. It, it sometimes is luck, but it. <laughs> So Johnny's asking, do you get paid to do this? Why is he doing this? So yeah, uh, unlike centralized exchanges, Uniswap uses people's funds that they stake inside the smart contract to, for liquidity for traders. So when you trade on Uniswap, you're paying usually a 0.3% fee. And those liquidity providers who stake this cryptocurrency get a proportion of that fee. So you're going to be earning interest off of your cryptocurrency uh, based on how concentrated the liquidity position is that you have and based on the trading volume on the website. They do this yeah, on Pancake exactly. Swap as well, and it'll tell you the. Um, they don't have the NFT like V3 has right here, but it'll tell you your percentage inside of the liquidity pool that you have, and will give you a mm-hmm. breakdown of the fees and everything you get. It can be really. I mean, if you're just going to be sitting on, you know, X amount of uh, Ethereum or whatever token, and you're sitting, you just want to hold. There's no reason not to put it into a liquidity provider. There's no reason not to do this because. You know, you'll make more money in the long run if you do, if you compound the interest and you get the fees and all this other stuff instead of just, you know, waiting for it to go up on its own. Mm-hmm. Uh, so what do you guys think about maybe doing a, a moon or bust real quick while this is processing or is it going to be done as soon as we start it and then we're going to have to go back and uh, I don't know. I, I don't know if it's going to go through if it's taking this long, but we might as well do a moon or bust and we can stop. All right. How about we do uh, how about we do mana? All right. Uh, so I'm going to pull up coin market cap here. And we are going to talk about mana. Let's see if we can get that moon or bust clip. Uh, just because I like to watch. Uh. So much drama. I love it. Uh, okay, so here is the Decentraland token. Uh, we talked about Decentraland a lot today, uh, and it is a, an online metaverse. It is a, a, a blockchain-based world where you can buy tokenized pieces of land. Uh, obviously, some sell for more than others in the the, the good locations. 
um, and they have a token that, that is the native asset of their platform that you need to pay their fees on. It's an Ethereum-based token that's been around for quite a long time. It's been on CoinMarketCap at least uh, since 2017. Uh, and it I bought in earlier this year at about, uh, let's see, it was about 17 cents. So right around here, uh, I was sitting real pretty in May, still doing all right. Uh, what do you guys think about Decentraland? Do either of you have positions in it? I do not. I like it a whole lot. I mean, the G Money pretty much laid it out why you should be bullish on it. Um, it's mm-hmm. one of the biggest NFT marketplace, quote unquote, type, I don't even know the. My or bad, that. Guys. <laughs> my, my bad. My bad. I don't know what actual category you could put it in, but I'm super bullish on it. I think that it's not going anywhere. I think it's a it's a good investment long term. It, it even what before the big collapse wasn't it like at 120 something like that, or at least above a dollar for a while. Yeah, it was it was well above a dollar for a while. Yeah, fifty even. Yeah, I, those, I mean, we're gonna. You see that little turn up at the end of the chart. I, I think we're about to see that soon. If if we get a, more of this bull run going, at the mm-hmm. uh, Bitcoin hits over forty k again, and um, mm-hmm. Ethereum gets back over twenty five hundred, bada boom, bada bing. Yeah, I don't know. Decentraland is kind of tough for me. I've always found it interesting. Um, I've been on their mailing list for years now. Like I get emails from them randomly just about different things that they're doing. And they're very active. It's definitely a cool community. Um, I kind of think of it more as like a thought experiment than anything else, like digitizing this virtual reality land and then seeing what people are willing to pay for it and like what people actually (laughs) do to monetize. Because it's not just buying the land as like a a speculative investment, although it it is speculative. You can actually monetize the land on Decentraland and like make an amusement park or make a museum or or like G-Money was saying, like make a casino and and charge a fee. So it's, it's super cool. It's like... Definitely one of the more exciting projects in the space, but at $1.2 billion market cap, I'm just, I'm not sold on it. Really? Yeah. The one thing that you also got to think of too, is it's like, it's almost like a mix between Minecraft and Ro- Roblox. I've, I've seen both those in played. So if that, if that analogy is awful, you can correct me later. But what I think is, cause it's a whole, it's a live sandbox. And so you buy it and then you can build whatever you want, charge fees. I just, I, but I really liked your idea or how you just said it's more of a thought experiment because yeah, there's really no way to tell if this is going to be, you know, you can monetize it. I think it just needs the popularity in the community. And I think it has that. That's why I, I'm I'd be called a moon, um, but I know exactly what you mean. Super speculative. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay, so a couple of questions from the chat. Also, a question uh, from Logan. <laughs> what happened here? This this transaction failed. Looks like I got my ETH back though. Luckily, uh, it says it was reverted. So Nailed hopefully, it. I'm chilling here. Um, so I'll have to go back into. It's into blessing this. you. Now you can choose a better range. <laughs> All right. Well, we're That's almost probably what it was too. It probably was <laughs> the the not even kidding. It's probably the range, and it might have had an influx. Hmm. Well, um, yeah. I'll have to I'll have to figure this out off stream um, next time, and, and we will update you next time. I'll get Ryan to help me out. Um, but we have another question um, from 
Hadid, I think I'm saying that correctly, hopefully. Uh, can you show me how you use your specific uh, .eth domain? Um, so if you go to the the ENS, uh, hopefully this will, will give it to me. Ethereum name service. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, the Ethereum name service. Uh, it's kind of like uh, the .com name service, but you can get yourself a .eth uh, domain uh, that is associated with your wallet public key. And we all uh, so have them. We all have them. Yep. Uh, you can find them in our in our Twitters. Um, but you can send money to my MetaMask wallet by just typing in loganross.eth instead of this long uh, hex code here. Um, so it makes it simple. It's pretty cool. And uh, if you have your own name, that's uh, some clout in the future. Maybe I registered this one for five years. It cost me about 40 bucks in ETH. Um, so I think that was probably worth it. Uh, I'll definitely have it for the rest of this bull run and hopefully the next one as well. Uh, and I can flex on the haters that way. Um, so that's the ENS. Uh, you can also get a dot crypto through uh, Unstoppable Domains. They have a bunch of different ones and you only pay once. And it can connect like the dot ETH ones, but it's just slightly, it can be a little different, but they have mm -hmm. uh, versions to scale. So you can use them for a lot more than just the ENS. But the ENS is one of the, simplest and easiest things to just if you want it to connect all of your accounts through that wallet and track and it'll it'll pull up your name on uniswap on pancake swap all this other stuff everywhere that uses the metamask plugin or their ens plugin it'll show as your name and so you can confirm that your wallet's connected as opposed to just some random wallet it's it's pretty pretty neat yeah so i just showed how to connect your metamask um, if you don't have MetaMask, that's the one-stop shop for, uh, for an Ethereum DeFi hot wallet. Uh, and you just connect it like I just did um, on ENS. And then whatever, um, whatever wallet you use to purchase the domain will be the one that gets uh, the wallet address is associated with. Um, yeah, so that's how that works. Um, yeah, I really wish this could have worked. Um, but we are unfortunately out of time for today. Uh, so we will have to loop back to it next time. Um, but yeah. Thank you guys all so much for tuning in today. Uh, this was the marathon episode, hour and 45 minutes. I am about to go take a nap, um, <laughs> but I, I had a great time. I love that G-Money interview. Uh, what did you guys think of today's episode? Yeah, he was. Yeah, I learned a whole, whole, whole lot. It was very yeah, I think that was one of the top three interviews we've had. It was pretty cool. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Most definitely. Uh, we, we're trying to bring some more people, some more uh, crypto Twitter influencers on uh, in the future. So uh, we have Elena XBT coming on on Friday. You won't want to miss that one. Fellas, you know what I'm saying. Uh, and we also have... Uh, we also have some some crazy uh, crypto Twitter guests, including Trader Main, coming on this month. Uh, so stay tuned for all of that and more. Uh, once again, I am Logan Ross. This is Moon or Bust, your home for all things altcoins and decentralized finance. Brian Ryan, thanks for a great show today. Uh, and thank you, Zinger Nation, for coming out, hanging with us through the long haul. We appreciate you, and we will see you on Friday. Peace. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. 
Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.